Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where each week we speak to pharma company owners and industry leaders sharing their stories of personal and professional growth. This week, I am joined by Artie Bosley, CEO at Sieve Health. Bit of a mouthful there, but Artie, welcome very much to the show. How have you been? Thank you, James. It's always good uh, to talk to you and I've been doing well. Fantastic Just stuff. Yeah. Well, um, thanks very much for, for jumping on. I know, uh, I think it was my, my partner, Lucy, who connected us in, in the first in, uh, instance. Uh, and I took a, yeah, quite an interest in your profile as well, because your background stood out as, again, not the traditional route into, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, CEO world and uh, clinical research. Uh, but look, for yeah. those who aren't familiar with us uh, or mm-hmm. with, with yourself, could you give us a, a quick overview as to, yeah, in your own words, who you are and, and what Sieve Health is all about? Sure. So, like you mentioned, I am a CEO. I'm also the co-founder of Sieve Health. And Sieve uh, is a web-based healthcare SaaS platform. And it's mainly designed basically to enhance operational efficiencies, you know, primarily for the clinical research sites mm-hmm. and the healthcare providers who are affiliated. I mean, it's mainly for them, but it also serves other clinical research stakeholders such as pharma, CRO, and, you know, patients. And so Sieve basically does partner with various stakeholders and it utilizes advanced technologies such as artificial intelligence, natural language processing, machine learning as tools, basically, to optimize the trials. We Our focus is on the recruitment and enrollment processes mm-hmm. because it's not one step, it's an entire process. And yeah. so we, we are using technologies to um, optimize them, basically, not not everything some needs you know basically disruption all the time sometimes you just need an optimization mm-hmm. so that's what we are doing using technologies to work smarter and uh, ultimately achieve that uh, study success fantastic well everyone loves a bit of efficiency and getting things done yeah. sooner rather than later so mm-hmm. i'm all for that and then um, as you, you touched upon it there so the focus is on the the patient recruitment and engagement side of things as, as a business, yes. which mm-hmm. I think, I, I guess, look, no patients means no trials for anyone. So it's exactly. a pretty important part of the process. And to get that efficient right. um, is, yeah, I, I, I guess everything. Um, but look. Yeah. It, no, I was just going to say like, yeah, it, it basically, it came, uh, I mean, to give you, more background on that or myself how we ended up in C right I mean I guess that's you want I think I missed the part of your first question to give you background on myself yeah so, no, no I guess yeah if you was a bit of a, a back story because um yeah when I first yeah when when Lucy introduced your profile I took a look I was like how is it that RT is is now you know in this space so look for for those who aren't familiar with you if you could yeah, give us an overview as to, to your background and yeah, how you've got to, to where you are now, I guess. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, um, yeah, basically the background or, you know, to rewind uh, into my own story is like many other people, I ended up in clinical research by chance, but I stayed in this field or in this industry by choice. Mm-hmm. So I am a dentist turned researcher. So my background, yes, I'm a dentist. Originally, you know, I, I planned to be dentist and I was a rebel child in my house <laughs> because <laughs> I come from, you know, uh, two, three generations of lawyers and politicians and scholars. Mm-hmm. And so when I decided to go into medical field or some of my cousins from my generation, when we ended up in medical school, um, we were the rebel kids so anyways (laughs) but that was my choice I wanted to be you know in the medical field wanted to be a doctor and that initial interest come from there Artie because yeah I guess often it's quite easy isn't it to follow in parents footsteps and and so on and so forth so where did that interest you know I mean was there an interest in that to start with uh, Mm -hmm. you know the legal profession And, and where did the medical interest come from yeah I mean the legal profession I mean oh I've heard those conversations my all my life long all the family dinners or 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's it was nothing against like I didn't it just didn't appeal to me as yeah. much. And but being in the medical field did appeal to me, you know, just having I mean, I have some older cousins that than mine who went into it. So just having listened to their stories and my own, there was just I, I it's difficult to explain, but there was just this calling that mm-hmm. I I like to help people and I know you can do that in any profession, but I just wanted to be in med- science has always been my favorite subject. So mm-hmm. and I've always, you know, I don't know, it, it just stuck around and I, I made the choice that I want to go in medical field, I want to be a doctor and uh, there, there has been a, you know, like later when I got more involved into this, there was a backstory to it. I mean, growing up, I, I'm very close to my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad is very was very close to his mom, so my grandmother. But we uh-huh. did lose her to breast cancer wow. when just before I turned two. So that and he's lost a few other, you know, close is his loved ones to different kind of you know conditions. Some of those are rare, or some of the, but but it's it's because you know sometimes it has been because there haven't been enough treatments or newer treatments or options basically growing I mean in older days so it, it just that those stories kind of you know some shape and form do do affect you yeah and so I, I wanted to be like you know I I like to be the problem solver I like to do something about it rather than just cry or complain like okay mm-hmm. what can so I wanted to jump in with both feet and understand because I when whenever I'm problem solving I first go to the root cause and try Mm -hmm. to understand because you have to have a good understanding of what you're trying to solve so that you can solve it the best way and that's how I ended up in medical school and after that moved to U.S. for higher education at that time also I still as a young doctor wanted to continue in clinical Mm -hmm. (laughs) field wanted to be an oral surgeon but so while doing my master's, I did work with the oral surgery group, you know, but they were doing clinical research. And that's when I got my first experience hands-on dealing with it. And, and that just kind of, again, resonated with me because I figured that that's where actually the forefront of medical advancements, you know, and that's, you know, everything goes through research, whatever you're treating with the patients later on, it mainly goes through research and that's how you are developing. So I wanted to be, involved in that part of the you know the the treatment advancements and everything and so just just made a conscious choice to stick around uh with it where where was that first move into the the world of clinical research then was it um was it a site was it an academic institute was it straight into industry where you know where did you start out it was it was an academic institute because i was uh I was completing my master's in public health. And at the same time I was uh, working, you know, because I was, you know, just doing some like part-time work and also observers because I wanted to be oral surgeon. So I was working with them to observe how they do and working towards a different goal. But during that experience, that experience just, you know, was amazing, you know, and the amount of research they were doing and the type of research they were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just like, that was much more exciting because it was new and it was at the leading front of medicine. So, yeah. Where did, where did things then go from there? So that was your first kind of, you know, you, you dip your toe in, you clearly liked uh, the the sound of it. And I guess, you know, having heard the stories about, yeah, the uh, family connections and kind of, yeah, not so favorable events on that side of things. Clearly something hit home there. And also yes, yes. science being your, you know, main focus, favorite subject, um, mm-hmm. etc. Um, yeah. where did things go from from there? Was there a particular individual or a mentor that you looked up to that said, hey, you know, these are the options? Because I think that's one thing that is perhaps lacking at grassroots level is maybe the direction on where people can go in, into clinical research. And there is so many opportunities. It is unreal. So, yeah, yeah I mean, where did you decide what was going to be, yeah, your kind of line as it may be? 
Yeah. So basically, yeah, I mean, at the beginning of the career, I've, yeah, I've had mentors throughout my life and my career, you know, uh, for, for, and they have all taught me different things or guided me in different things. And some of those have, you know, provided more guidance than others. But I mean, early in the career, um, it, there was part choice, part things were decided or, you know, other things happen and life happens and you kind of, you know, make whatever is the best choice for you at that time. Mm. But, but throughout the guidance from mentors and everything, yes, I, I moved from, you know, academic research to, uh, because I, I did, uh, at that time, I did my master's from US, but then I moved to Calgary for a couple of years, wow. even though the moving decision was for family reasons, but I did, you know, work as a, a program manager for, we, we were developing like a, uh, and in Alberta Health, I mean, this is in Canada, so they have national health. Yeah. And so it, it, it's a completely different healthcare system. So th that experience and so mentors along the way. And after that, when I, when we came back to US, I went back into, uh, you know, the bigger hospitals, like, you know, uh, hosp uh, research hospitals basically mm -hmm. yeah you know and and then after that I I made at by that time I had enough experience to kind of understand the different uh sections of this landscape like you know academic research center research hospitals or you know universities and all of that but there was a piece that was missing that I hadn't haven't explored at that time so far was the community providers mm -hmm. and the individual provider independent providers and who's working with them because these hubs are great amazing yes and but it's a whole different world when you work with community providers and that's how i made a choice to move into that world mm -hmm. and in my role before uh, c was that and that, that was an amazing experience too so all these different experiences gave me you know understanding of how things work and you know people's perspectives and their angles different angles different sides of the same story it's still the clinic same study running and we are still again aiming for the same goal we are doing it for the same reason but yeah. um, it's just different aspects of it and being having experienced our work in three different healthcare systems like india us and Canada, Canada yeah. it, it gives you the it, that gave me the advantage of understanding the differences or the advantages and disadvantages of three different systems and how people work and think and just just the knowledge is always you know amazing it, the knowledge you can get from these experiences so yeah sure but it seems like you've certainly yeah done a lot of homework on, on how the industry works and connected <laughs> a lot of the dots by the sounds of things yeah so at what point did the idea um and concept of of, of sieve health come about you, you know and um and also i guess yeah a question i always like to ask is is where did the name come from as well so like if, if you think back to yeah where the idea came from and then how how you came up with the name Sure. So the idea kind of, you know, it was, it, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't have like a epiphany or something, mm. but it was a result of my experiences, you know, being served in these multiple roles across different systems and little by little, all those experiences kind of stuck around with me. And I was fortunate enough to have worked in the trenches, like on the front line, as the, the problem that Steve is trying to solve, I have lived that problem myself firsthand. And that those stories kind of did stick around with me. I mean, the manual process of recruitment and tracking everything and, you know, tracking on Excel and paper and just the management, because I am a methodical person. Mm -hmm. So, and, and for the amount, the sheer volume of work that these sites and the physicians, you know, the investigators, they have to manage, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, you have to be methodical, otherwise you are going to get buried down. Mm -hmm. But even being methodical is not enough. You know, there is only so much a person can do manually and there is only, there, there is human limitation. And so there was always this thought and, you know, I used to talk to different people about this because and understand like what they are doing. First of all, what they are doing. Is there anything I can do better right now? Mm -hmm. And 
what where people are suffering or what what can we do about this and and so then over the period of time i like you know, i like that art it's, it's something yeah. that I, I always say to, to my team and just to people in, in general is you know what am i doing what works what doesn't let me see if i can pour more drop what's not working and start pouring all that effort into what is and it exactly. sounds like that's where you're going with, with this is that yeah. right <laughs> yeah no that's that's exactly right and so i've been talking to not just industry people out of industry people too mm. you know through friends or family or anyone and i've been talking about this and i was fortunate enough to you know uh, my co-founder or c he is a technology background and so you know he'd been listening to my stories for quite a while like I said it's been going on and so we were fortunate enough in uh past two three years that, I mean the technology in in past decade has been evolving you know and he is a technology person so it just that happened that he's like hey I know you've been thinking about this for a while or these experiences hmm. there is something we can do you know to directly impact this and I was straight away hooked I was like okay so then but I it was just an idea at that point. And so we, I mean, we had to kind of develop it into something, a solution and everything. Were you working at the time of kind of having these conversations with your um, co-founder? Were you, yes. were you kind of, yeah, I, I guess, was it a side gig hobby? Was it, yeah, what, yeah how were you, how were you juggling that? Yeah, it, it was more of like, you know, uh, hobby kind of thing mm. more uh because the it was all in my head the idea but yeah. i don't have technology background so i didn't know how to do this but i mean the so but my co-founder was doing this as a side gig and like yes and you know built yeah. something for me and then once it was built and kind of you know test i i did provide feedback like i just as an outsider just through you know, normal casual conversations and all of yeah. that, because I just, yeah. And, but then when he kind of put something together around it, that's when I was like, okay, no, I want to pursue this. I want to see how this goes and what, how we can put this in application mm. because technology by itself is not going to change anything. It's, it's the application of that. That's what you know addresses the problem and that's when you know they requested me to be full-time on sieve and you know join the sieve team and that's how i joined and it was a yeah it was a, a not a easy decision to say, come out of the comfort a zone lofty, <laughs> a pretty lofty job um at the time didn't you so i guess it's never yes. easy to say look i'm you know, I'm, yeah, I'm doing pretty well for myself. However, I'm now going to try something completely new. I've not done it before. I've not got a tech background, but I'm exactly. trusting my partners. And um, so how did you, how did you feel at that time? And was, do you remember the, the moment where, I mean, whether you discussed it with family and you said, I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to go and do this. <laughs> yes. I, I remember that because I, uh, I thought about it for months, you know, it, it never was an easy decision. I, I it still isn't, I mean, it, it's never gonna be, it, mm. it, it's a big change because it's a completely different world. You know, the fear of leaving your comfort zone, it's, it's never, you know, it's, it's immense. And, but the thing is I, over my years of experience or like, you know, in, in I, because I've, this is not the first time I felt this fear. I have felt it before. Mm. But from those experiences, what I have learned is, you know, and the fear becomes more controllable with more experiences and as your perspective mature, matures, right? Mm -hmm. And so what, what I took from that is I have to understand that out of my comfort zone is always when I have grown, you know, I have, the growth has happened. So this is again, another opportunity to grow you know, in that, uh, in, in my career, in my personal growth, mm -hmm. and it is going to teach me a lot of lessons that um, I haven't learned so far. So it was, it was fear to begin with, but then I, I kind of used my experiences from past and, you know, just, just learned how to, how to handle that fear. And then once you are past that, the amazing feeling of, you know, satisfaction hits, is that you're trying to build a 
solution instead of just accepting this is how we have always done it. Yeah. Did it remind you, know? you then of, you know, I guess, you, you know, your whole family and generations having been in the legal profession and you saying, no, I'm going to go and do this to then, was it that same sort of kind of yes. turning point where you're like, yeah, you know what, I've kind of done this, but actually I'm going to step out of my comfort zone again and be that, you know, the, the, the rebel as it may be. Um, exactly. And go and do, do something new using the same skill sets, mm-hmm. um, but transferring it over. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I mean, you 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 caught it really well. So yes, that was exactly you know uh, the same experience because at that time also yes, it was me who made the choice to mm. go into medical profession. Again, after completing medical school, yeah, my family wanted me or preferred me to work in India, like you yeah. know, practice in India. But I made the choice to move to US. Like, you know, it's it's never easy getting out of your comfort. Yes, there is always going to be things set for you. You're going to be comfortable. It's going to be easy when you're in comfort zone. But mm. you learn there is just such a big world once you're out of that and you grow so much. And I, I use those similar experiences. This was the same thing. Going from that strategic, what everybody does. Yeah. And that's some, if somebody wants to do it, I it's there is nothing against it. It's an amazing way or career path. It's just that I didn't want to have regrets later that I never gave it a chance or, you know, that that's just kind of how my personality is. Like I would rather take the chance and fail rather than not taking the chance at all. Yes, and nobody's saying that it's easy. It's always going to be scary. It's still scary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. And like listening to you say that, yeah, I, I think it's, it's great advice. Um, I guess whenever I hear these sort of things, I'm like, oh, yes, it sounds amazing. This sort of thing I would see on a YouTube motivational video. But what is it about, you said it's your personality. What do you think it is that has made you kind of this, this way that you're happy to seek out new ventures and you're not necessarily afraid of change? Or actually, you admit that you're you know, you, you feel the fear, but actually yeah. you do it anyway. So what what do you think it is that, has made you like this I I guess (laughs) so it's it's basically uh the new experiences that come with those with that new do you like the chase then I guess kind of that is it yes I mean like there seems to be something there it's like yeah you almost like that bit of uncomfort that pushes you on Yes, yes, because it it drives you, you know, it, it there is an incentive to, you know, try different things, try new things. And, you know, it, it just freshens up things like, you know, otherwise it gets mundane, it gets boring. And so that chase or that satisfaction of, you know, trying something and see how it works. If it works, amazing. Yes. If not, at least you get lessons from it. You know, at least you know how, what doesn't work. And so it's, it's just the thrill of that, like you said, thrill of chase, of Mm. course, but also not without a plan or just, just because like, you know, not without any pre-thought into it, thought into it and everything and a calculated, you know, uh, risk, if you would say so. So, yeah. And you've almost eluded me with it there because I got so into, yeah, wanting to know about you and, and why you are the way you are. You almost got past the, the 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 name. Where did the 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 company name come from? Did you <laughs> and your co-founder dream that up together? What was what's behind it? Yeah, so sieve. I mean, sieve basically means sorting through, right? You sort through. Uh, that's that's what that's a function of sieve, mm-hmm. you know. And that's. I mean, we. Yeah, the name was thought about a lot. Like, what should it be? But then the purpose of it. What sieve is trying to do or address is sort through that chaos you know the 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 research teams and that you have to sort through so many records and so much information and data Mm -hmm. that and then you you have to structure it and streamline it and write like checklists or excel sheets or whatever you have been doing that's that's what sieve is doing so it's sort it's sorting through it's helping you sort and just a machine doesn't get tired so it can do it endlessly and so it's just to empower those humans to do those same things that they need to get 
to be successful. It's just that, you know, a smarter way of doing it. Sure. No, it sounds, sounds amazing. Anything that is, yeah, a bit of automation that can save exactly. time, save money, save the headaches, is the <laughs> thing, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned earlier, dealing with tons and tons of spreadsheets and overload of data, I can exactly. just imagine it just being, yeah, mind-blowing exactly. at times. So, look, yeah. it sounds I mean, all of, these, all of these innovations are not just healthcare, any field you take. It's the most successful ones are the ones, you know, where you make it convenient. The same things that you're doing, yes, I mean, of course, there is not going to be radical changes of how people, but it just how, if you can make it convenient, it, it's it's successful. People want that. People want convenience. There is just so much going on. Our lives have become so much busy these days that mm-hmm. whatever can make it convenient helps you streamline things why not it's always welcome no i like that and one thing that my dad always says to me is give uh, the laziest man the hardest job and you'll <laughs> find the easiest way to do it and i i think he summed me up there because i at heart i think we're all lazy really same here can find an easier way to do it why on <laughs> earth not right so i'm all for it but that's that always my first question like if we are doing something yes but yeah i mean that's the laziest people make the best inventions innovations and yeah because they figure <laughs> out the easiest the simplest way to do it mm. and yes i mean it's just it's yeah I, it, I agree with you that you should that question should always be there everybody should keep asking this you know never be afraid of asking that that mm. why are we doing it this way wouldn't it be easier to, like is there an easier way of doing this because mm. that question gives birth to so many ideas and just yeah see yeah. if it's one of them <laughs> Most definitely. Well, look, how is it is it going? I mean, how long have you guys been running now? And yeah, give us a snapshot of what things uh, now look like. Yeah, so we, I mean, in 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 the bigger picture, we are still early stage. Mm. You know, we are an early stage company, and uh, but it, we are gaining a lot of interest. You know, and lot of and the people that we are working with are really happy with us. Because again, like I said, it's a simple solution to a long-standing problem, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a newer approach uh, because we are fortunate enough to have technology at our, you know, advantage. So, yeah, I mean, we are working with current and potential clients to address their needs, mm-hmm. you know, and help them reach their true potential basically it's it's not with the intent like you know we are not trying to sell a shiny new cool toy Mm. that was never the you know and it will never be the intent and that that's why we are we are gaining a lot of interest and support from the industry and the community because yeah it's a pain point many people have lived and are currently living and it, it just addresses it at that core point and like you said it is at that beginning stage, like no matter how many innovations or anything else happens, if there are no patients, what are we gonna do? Like, mm. you know, we, we have to make this, to help bring the clinical trials into the mainstream, basically, you know, COVID did that. It bought it as a household name, at least, mm. you know, the how the innovations and how vax, how drug development happens, but to, to help bring it in mainstream, we have to support the ones who are executing it. You know, yes, okay, somebody is designing it and it is for the patients, yes, but there is a stakeholder in between who's executing it and they are burnt out. We need to figure out ways to support them and, um, you know, that, that's going to make a huge difference. who are the, these people? So who is the, the, the target market for SEED for then? Is it... Is it research hospitals? Is it sites? Is it CROs? Is it small pharma startup? You know, or yeah. is it a, a mixture of of all? Could everyone kind of utilize this? Yes. So everyone can kind of utilize this, uh, but it's mainly you know relieving the pain, or it it has automated the manual processes for mainly for research sites. Mm-hmm. And the investigator and their the teams, the research teams and the physician and their teams, yeah. because they are the ones who have to scan through multiple, you know, medical records and medical information of these patients mm-hmm. and perform the clinical trial matching, you know, against the 
ever in ever increasingly getting complex criteria, the protocols, mm -hmm. you know, so they have just, these people are clinical minds. They don't want to spend time behind the computer in administrative yeah. work. It gets boring and then it turns into like, okay, the, the trial actually far moves farther away from the intended patient. So what's the yeah. use? I mean, and so the many, main, many main target is are, are these people, yeah listening to this and nodding their heads because i think a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with spreadsheets yeah uh, and, and so on it's yeah great because you know you like to be diligent you like to keep track of stuff but doing the work manually is just yeah mind-blowing at times you just it's, you know, it's, it's, it's I mean, only so I mean, much you can do right and it's exactly. an oversight level rather than the day-to-day -day. and i think that's the the problem that you are solving Exactly, because I mean, so I have listened to these stories, right? I've had these conversations with, uh, you know, fellow investigators or, you know, my research teams and everybody. Trust me, they hate it sitting behind the computer. They are, they want to go in the clinic. They want to be with the patients in the exam rooms and do, they are like, okay, tell me which one is match and I'll present, like, you know, you know they want to jump to that step, mm. but, but there is a process that needs to happen, the pre-screening and going through medical record, matching it. And because it's, it's an, it's an ethical, it's a required step, but they don't have the time for that. And so rather than, you know, kind of scrutinizing them or blaming them, like, no, you should do this. We got to be cognizant that they are human too. Mm -hmm. They have their own limitations. They have their priorities. So guess what? If this is going on a lower priority, it's affecting your study success too. So somebody needs to come in and support at that level so that we bring it, we make it easier for them because they want to incorporate trials in their mainstream. They want to provide trial as a care option. It's just that it's not easy to figure that out, which trial matches, which, you know, with, with the confidence, you know, there can be some self-reporting and easier, you know, and we cannot put the burden on the patient. Yes, there are some, uh, you know, patients who are really aware of their own health and everything, but that's not majority of the case. What about the others who rely on these providers or caregivers, these health, um, healthcare caregivers, you know? So who then the burden falls on these providers and caregivers, who's going to support them? So that's where Sieve comes into play to relieve that manual burden make it easier, have the answers ready for them so they can jump to that step and move on. They don't have to waste time in the, in the administrative work. Well, I can imagine, yeah, with, yeah, how you're explaining that and kind of that time-saving element of it, uh, yeah. that you're going to get a lot of uptake on, on this. I mean, it's still, as you say, look, you're, you're open, it's early days for yes. you folks. Um, I guess, look, the, it must be promising though. You must feel good about the, I guess the acceptance of what you're doing and the feedback that you are getting would yeah. you say that's perhaps one of the the biggest achievements so far to almost kind of get that that's external assurance of actually this is a really good idea it's it's not revolutionary it's not a huge innovation it's it's sim simplicity really mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but to almost get that you know kind of yeah you know what you you're you, you're onto something here yeah how does, i mean how does, that, how does that feel to to yourself as kind of yeah a new entrepreneur trying to um yeah carve 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 something out yeah i mean true yes that those are our biggest success stories is when the client is happy and they are like thank you like we would have spent 20 months in this wow you gave me answer in less than five days 20, 20 so that's, that's an average of, timeline yeah 20 months down to five days. Mm -hmm. That is insane. Yeah, because I mean, the average amount of time, it's it's not like 20 months continuous back to back. Right. These teams, these providers, they're doing multiple things at the same time. That's mm -hmm. why for them to scan through or you know query the databases and figure this out and review the information, on average, it takes them 20, sometimes less, sometimes more. That's why I said average, 20 yeah. months to find five to 10 potential patients for a given trial. And that too, for one trial, they are doing this for multiple trials at the same time. Imagine the workload. Awesome. That is absolutely incredible. I mean, 
often yeah I, I guess that as a recruitment business one of our biggest sales is on you know the speed and quality of, of our service yeah and you know often I'll speak to business owners and they may have had vacancies for a couple of months three months six months that they've not been able to fill and mm-hmm. you know they're suffering that same headache they're doing the same thing over and over we share a few ideas with them and often we've you know made placements in you know less than 20 days yeah. and I I'm normally quite pleased with that performance, you know, something that they've been looking at for six months to do it in inside a month, I would Great. say, result. But you're telling me <laughs> that you that your, I guess, client base have been spending up to 20 months on average on these things. And you mm-hmm. are, with your solution, reducing that down to less than five days is yes. just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's... Yeah, that's that's basically and that it's that's one advantage of it. It's also it helps them take a proactive approach, Mm. you know, rather than there are human limitations. First of all, a human being cannot scan the entire database. A machine can, you know, and so there are there are missed opportunities there. Right. You know, there, there is just because there was a human limitation, you couldn't find that that patient missed your review Mm. or your scanning. And guess what? That patient could have, might have really benefited from that trial. Who knows? We would never know. But a machine can scan through an at least shortlist and then it you get an upfront idea about your efforts, mm-hmm. how much you're going to have to put effort towards which trial, yeah. what is your scope? Is it, I mean, you, you get to make decisions upfront rather than try and most of our industry or our processes right now are reactive you go you try and you know throw everything at the wall and hope something sticks no we are wasting too much time money and resources in this and it's 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 also one of the kind of underlying causes of this it takes 11 years to get a drug from an idea stage to market Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be the case we have to reduce this because we need to get there are people who want this today we have to make it we have to work smarter and that's what it is so and for that proactive approach in my experience has always is always helpful because then you you take a strategic approach and that's what sieve helps you know helps these uh, users do that have a proactive approach have the understanding up front and just yeah the speed of it yes and and again without losing the accuracy of it Wow. It's not like it's machines are, I mean, the technology nowadays is so amazing. I'm thankful for all those people who did this because we can use it as tools for so many things. So Look, I'm certainly, I'm certainly sold. I'm certainly impressed. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't aware of any of these timelines and figures that <laughs> you've just um, sort of shared with myself and in the audience, but yeah, no, I'm yeah, hugely uh, impressed by that. Yeah. And look, across this this journey, I guess one thing I always like to know it's it's been kind of not so long since you you started um, the business. But what have you learned in that time about yourself? Because your your background was quite diverse, as you say. You worked in three almost different kind of healthcare systems previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you now have got yourself into the the tech world, as it may be partly. Um, what have you learned about you over the past year or so since um starting this venture yeah so i mean yeah see uh, i mean past couple of years at the sieves idea i mean we it's been two two and a half years yes so for me it has been like a parenting experience if you were there so you know how being a parent might change you or changes you it's for me like raising a startup is like raising a child you know, when, when you have a kid or a startup, you want the, the baseline is you want them to carry your legacy, you know, something, and you put your life's work in it. There are sleepless nights, there are stressful events, everything, (laughs) but those milestones along the journey, you know, they keep you going, you know, Mm -hmm. one step at a time. And along the journey, you, uh, you develop and realize you have so many traits, you know, such as patience, resilience, you know, lead by example, you have to do it first before you tell someone else to do it. Mm. And understanding and respecting someone else's perspectives. 
because you know you cannot just like because i said so no you have to understand what they what they want at their level you have to get to that point understand from and just the grit of it and persistence and these are the traits you know some of these i had learned a little bit from my experience before but this ex this experience of raising a startup is honing those skills those traits and some of these are i'm learning completely new these are and i'm grateful for that so amazing which which of those has perhaps been the biggest struggle for yourself you know and, <laughs> and adaption because I, I think for me it was probably the uptake of realizing i needed to adapt to technology you know previously where i, I worked it was all taken care of and i you know sometimes you don't even accept or, or acknowledge what goes on in the back office and that was yeah. never my bag I was always kind of out in the field as you know business development um what's what's been your yeah the the, the one area where you're like oh you know what that's that's a, that's a bit of a headache you know it, you wish that that could perhaps be automated or you know so my personal challenge or are you talking about challenges faced by for you for you personally yeah what's been the biggest um change i guess yeah since working somewhere else to then being the founder and ceo what's yeah. kind of the biggest struggle or the, the thing that yeah is yeah the biggest challenge for for you on that side of things so the biggest challenge has been of course like you mentioned technology Mm. that's that's not my background you know but i took it as an opportunity to learn about it you know it's it's all because it has been a challenge yes in the initial meetings i didn't know a lot i mean yes in in my recent roles before sieve i did get a chance you know to more work more with the developers you know and the it teams and everything yes so i had some knowledge of it or understanding of it but doing it in this way or in this when you are completely you are hands on on it yeah and you have to explain it in that language to them because you got to understand these it people technology minds trying to understand healthcare and vice versa i'm trying to understand what they <laughs> How I, I struggle sometimes with IT people in general. My, my, my brother is an <laughs> IT guru and I, I asked him and, you know, I would like the simple answer for a six-year-old. He tells me he's talking about different databases, programming, developing. I'm like, I, I, you're going to need to say that again. But yeah, exactly. no, I, 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 can, I feel where you're coming from there. And I guess exactly. That so that, that has been the... And done it though, I guess, is the main thing, which is, um, yeah, kind of the what you've been saying from from the outset here so look I, I guess it seems that that things are going well as i said look i'm i'm massively sold um but what are the plans <laughs> for the the future in terms of whether it's expansion um you know how you're going to kind of approach the market um clients etc if you give us a, a quick yeah roadmap for the next year 18 months um foreseeable yeah. future anyway yeah, so it's it's kind of, you know, like a jigsaw puzzle coming together. But uh, yes, the future plans are kind of, you know, in the mix. We are analyzing various theories, you know, because the way we came up to this point, we are utilizing the same strategy. We are listening to people, what they want. So we are constantly talking to our potential users, what their you know, requirements are, what they would and where the biggest impact would be. And then kind of, you know, reprioritizing certain things. But, you know, yeah, there are pipeline features in development uh, and there are uh, the immediate future plans would be just doing best what we do. And, you know, just reaching out the way we are solving problems for, uh, the, for the immediate need. Mm -hmm. That's what we wanna keep doing and just on a bigger scope. And yeah, that's it. Basically that, that's, the, that's the plan for it amazing so more of kind of more of the same that you know what am i doing what works what doesn't and just keep doing more of of yeah what you're doing well so yeah. I, I like that um yeah. rt um yeah. but look before i let you go uh we always like to wrap up the show with a quick five questions round sure. um to get a few insights uh from yourself so look the first one from, from my end it sounds as though 
you may have been a bit of a rebel um, growing <laughs> up, but look, what would you say is the one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Oh, oh, there are a handful. I, <laughs> I have, I have just now begun, you know, to become the person I was supposed to be. But yeah, um, I, to my younger self, I would say, don't live in that perfect world inside your head. That doesn't exist, you know. Don't strive for perfection. And don't be afraid of failures, basically. Just embrace the lessons and because that's that's where your growth is. Solid advice. And it seems as though you've almost followed that route yourself, even without <laughs> giving the advice to your younger self. So I like that. Yeah. And uh, my next question, and um, our audience are always interested to know what's on people's bookshelves, what resources they use. So, yeah, look, is there any either a book, a podcast, a, a resource that you would recommend for our audience? Oh, the list is endless. I mean, James, I am not like, you know, I'm a reader and the podcast, like, you know, that's my world. I live in that world. Like, you know, uh, it just, there is just so many books, you know, whenever somebody asks me that questions, it's very difficult for me to pin it down to one because it, again, just depends on my mood or just what, and I, I read like a, you know, a spectrum of topics. It's not like I stick to history or something. No, but one book that has, if you would, if you would put me on the spot and ask for one book, I have always, it's one of my favorites is The Alchemist. Mm -hmm. It just teaches you about so many of those principles. And I, it, it, the first time it came out when I was in, yeah, in my medical school days. So yeah, it, since the first time I read, I've read it multiple times, but it has always, it, every time I read it, I just, you know, it gives me something new. So yeah, I, I like that book and, but there are just so many, many others and resources. Again, my resources are around the same point, like podcasts. And, you know, because that when I was right now, I'm working remote or before COVID hit, mm. but before COVID hit, it was all the travel or even now when I'm traveling, listening download and podcast it's yeah, yeah. so audible is my ease of use isn't it podcast these days you can be walking and listening and yeah it's yeah kind of, and then the, I... only, the only type of multitasking that i like really is yeah when i'm walking and, and listening into something so um no, there I, are I so many amazing ones out there and yours is on that list i do listen to your podcast i mean you know amazing. you guys talk about you know you cover such uh you know, good people, their perspective. And I love that. I love listening to other stories, their perspectives, their lessons, because you don't have to go through that experience yourself to learn from something. So, you know, that's always good. And yeah, resources wise, my go-tos have been Audible and Blinkist. So, yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. And look, <laughs> I, I guess... I'm sure when, as I say, when things really start to take off, you are going to be building a team I've seen you know certain things that have taken off over the last couple of years and people are now recruiting like mad yeah um when that time comes don't forget me um of but, course not. You <laughs> know what that. are the top three qualities uh, that you value most when when building teams or, or would yeah what are you going to value most I yeah so when the time comes or even I've hired people before in my previous other roles. So I always look for passion and the curiosity, you know, the, the, and these are personality traits. It's nothing mm. to do with your education or skills or, and those can be taught. Mm -hmm. I, I look for the passion, the curiosity and the empathy, basically. Those are the three qualities most valuable to me. I'm so yeah. pleased that you said that because I am honestly, I'm banging on about this over and over again. You know, people reach out to me, what should I be doing? I'm just like, this is, you know, ask questions, be curious, you know, be passionate. Exactly. Go for it, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad when I hear it from other business leaders to echo what I tell people on a probably a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and that would, We've spoken so much about work and your, your yeah. career journey, but what I really love about this podcast is, is meeting the people that I do. You know, it's amazing. I love hearing the stories, but then I also like the, the personal background uh, that I get from, from some people. So look, what, you know, for the, for the audience, what's the, what do you do to relax? What do you, know, do you get up to outside of work? Yeah, so um, 
two, my two go-tos are doing something. I'm more of a, like a DIY person. So I like to, again, it's just building something, yep. you know, learning. I like it too. I'm not very good at it, but I like it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how it turns out. Sometimes it turns out amazing. Sometimes it doesn't, but I love that experience. So I, I, that's my go-to. And other one is uh, the quiet nature walks when possible. So it, it just, nature has that capacity to, you know, calm you down and put things in perspective. I, I love that. <laughs> Amazing. No, I, I, again, mirror both of those. Love getting out for walks. Love doing a bit of DIY when I can these days with a toddler running around. It's, it's been oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but look, to close the show, RT, I'm going to ask you, I, I guess, a bit more of a serious question now, but it's um, what is your number one golden rule for both life and business? Okay. So I would say don't overthink the success or failure of your goals, you know, as it might be affected by things that are out of your control. You know, just keep performing your responsibilities to best of your ability and let things fall in place they are supposed to because, you know, do, do what's best in your control, do that the best of your ability. That's it. Simple, simple. I like that. Control the yeah. controllables. I think a, a few of our guests have yeah, had similar ways of, of summing that up. But uh, RC, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm so glad that Lucy introduced us. Um, yeah. But look, before I let you you jump off, for anyone who wants to reach out to you for more information on Sieve, um, any questions for yourself directly? I know that you and I are connected through LinkedIn. Is that the best place or is there anywhere else that we should be perhaps reaching out to you? Yeah, so to reach out to me directly, LinkedIn is the best way. You can find me on LinkedIn, reach out to me. I'm very responsive and uh, on that. And otherwise you can, you know, email to support at sevehealth.com if you, and for any free consultations or, you know, meetings. I mean, we, we don't chat. It's, it's just, we are here to help. We are here to answer questions and there are there are no obligations or no fees or anything. You can just email or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Fantastic stuff. Well, look, Artie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Huxley Morton podcast. Thanks again Thank for sharing your journey and you have a fantastic day. Thank you, James. It, it has been wonderful, you know, talking to you uh, again, of course. And yeah, thank you for having me. And I, I appreciate the, the, the chance basically or yeah the the time you gave me so perfect you have a great day you too have a lovely day take care